to Inside Track from Trustonic. This podcast brings together some of the leading minds from the mobile and automotive security industries to really get under the skin of how those worlds have been shaped, what drives them today, and what we can expect in the future. So please take a listen as we go beyond the headlines with the experts and market makers in their field. Thanks for joining us today. This is Sheldon Hebert from Trustonic. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer here, and I'm joined by Brian Peacock from Senco, who is a partner of ours in the mobile device locking space. We'll be having a conversation around the impact of locking solutions on some of the key issues facing the mobile industry, such as theft and fraud, and how these solutions can not only protect carriers and retailers from losses, but also uh, impact consumer behavior as a whole. So Tristonic takes our background in security and applies it to solve unique problems that OEMs and mobile operators face when it comes to trading harder to sell more devices and getting more subscribers on their networks. And with that, the potential risks and costs uh, that they face in order to do that. Uh, We'll touch on a few of these topics today and more, but first I'll pass it over to Brian to have a quick intro of Senco and, and his background, and then we'll jump right into the discussion. Awesome. Thanks, you, Sheldon. My name is Brian Peacock, Vice President of Global Innovation at Senco Solutions. And uh, just tell you a little bit about my background. Uh, 20 years asset protection prior to Senco. So spent a lot of time out in the field. Uh, really a majority, probably almost 14 years of that, maybe 13 years was in the investigative space of so doing retail investigations, interviews, training, and also audits. Uh, and then last Six or seven years was in the corporate side. Uh, my most recent position before Senco was Director of Asset Protection for Rent-A-Center, which I focused more on the product protection. And that's where I really got introduced to the locking software. And we built a program at Rent-A-Center. Mobile, mobile became a category. It uh, was a challenging category. And our department was tasked to build a program to minimize the risk to be able to continue to push devices to our consumers and mitigate that loss and delay of payment. Uh, So we partner with sales strategy operations and we built a very substantial locking program in over 2,700 locations across the U.S. in which we centrally managed behaviors of the customers when they went past due, being able to lock them and unlock them all remotely and systematically. So through Renaissance where I met Cinco, uh, Cinco was our hardware solution provider. And at that time they were launching a wireless solution, which I'll talk a little bit more about Cinco in just a second. And I really love Cinco and what they're about, which is about customization and listening to customers. And at Renaissance, we were not retail, it was rent owned. So we were very different and they responded to our needs uniquely. So Cinco been in business 20 years. Uh, Monica and Chris Marzalek are the owners and they actually started in their basement. We actually just got 20 years on October 20th of this year. Chris is still the president. Our first customer was Best Buy. I'm proud to say that as of today, uh, Best Buy is still our, our customer. So 20 years later, we serve customers like Best Buy, Walmart, Lowe's on the carrier side, T-Mobile, Metro, Boost. We also have some great OEM relationships in which we're vendors for Apple, Samsung, Google, LG. Uh, And again, we are a custom solution provider and we really do a great job with integrations using software and hardware in the retail space to mitigate loss. So uh, that's a little bit about Cinco. 
Awesome. I think you were involved in this way before it was cool. So that's always good to get a different <laughs> perspective there. So because you've been around this space so long, and really, I think it's evolving constantly. I'm just curious to hear from your side, what what's changed over time within the locking technology side of things? And then, you know, obviously the demands from the customer side, as far as what they're looking for. Sure. It's a great question. I remember when we first started you know, to do these, you know, to kind of create the locking program, you had to rely on things like a custom ROM, right? You couldn't use out of the box. You had to sideload things. Uh, We went through that phase. It was very tough to execute a large scale. Uh, Also, you know, if you're working with OEMs, which, you know, through our partners, we began to do, they were always SKU related, meaning they had a SKU for Rent-A-Center, which made it a little tougher, right? Because now the OEM doesn't want to manage multiple SKUs. So, you know, what I saw at the very beginning, it was uh, a bit more clunky, uh, cumbersome, and a little tougher to execute than what we're seeing today. Yeah, no question. And, and it's interesting you bring up the, the single SKU concept, because I think that's something that, uh, you know, we struggle with. I think the carriers struggle with, because ideally they could get what they need from a, uh, an OEM and, and be able to have a locking solution or something custom built for them. But most of the OEMs are going towards having more of a single SKU, which kind of impedes their ability to do that individually as a, as a carrier. So I, I think that's important to bring up. At the same time, you know, it brings up a good topic around just trends in in general in the mobile space. You know, one of the big ones that I've seen is the price side of things when it comes to mobile devices. I can remember working at Motorola about eight years ago and the top kind of tier selling phone back then was in the $300, $350 range that we would take that to market. And, And here we are eight years later, and the top tier phones are going for fifteen, sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars a pop, which is a dramatic increase. And and obviously, there's a ton of things that increased cost of devices has brought up, both from you know the desire for for the bad guys to get their hands on these things, and then uh, obviously making it tougher for the average consumer to get their hands on these things. So, any kind of thoughts on you know where some of those issues and some of those changes in the mobile space and how they've impacted what you do at Senco today? Absolutely. And I think, you know, what you brought up, Sheldon, is on point, right? The the mobile device is just about the hottest thing on the planet. It seems like, you know, we compare it to way back in the day, jewelry is, is really what they compare it to. These mobile carriers, you know, it goes on both sides. It's, it's a desired product. It's very expensive. It's easy to sell. And also it's the consumers want it. So you're trying to provide the the products, but also mitigate the risk. And at Cinco, what we've really done and, you know, and obviously expanding this through our partnership with Tristonic is really focus on three things. Uh, In the store, uh, we have a unique product. Uh, We call ours a Brick Tech Technology where we're locking live displays. So we, you know, it's sort of a digital tether and we see the trend is, you know, these phones now they flip, they fold, you know, they wing out. They're very innovative, but the retailers to keep them on display have to use some hardware uh, that restricts that customer experience. So we're using the same locking technology now in the retail space to be able to provide that great customer experience. Now they can fully interact with that device. They can fold it, they can flip it. So, you know, we see this hardware trend of going away and more software related in the store. And then of course, outside the store, uh, you've got supply chain issues. You know, these these devices now, especially in the last six months, are being shipped more than ever going in the stores, out of stores, store to store. Uh, so there's that vulnerability that we hear about and and that these asset protection loss prevention, they 
they struggle with. And we're providing a really unique, creative alternative uh, to some of the traditional methods through, you know, zero touch deployments. And the last one is, of course, is the finance. In the finance space, the consumers want the product, but also you know, the loss has to be mitigated. And, and what we do and what we're seeing is more of these virtual rent-to-own, sort of the rent-a-center model. You know, they have a, a virtual side of their business too, but th- that side is really growing. So the mobile operators have, you know, some, what we see as choices to be able to help finance these for their customers, the virtual rent-to-own. So really ad- addressing all three of those helps the mobile operator become more profitable uh, and be able to serve their customers in a, in a more effective way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, right? So obviously the higher price devices consume more bandwidth, allow you to sell higher rate plans from a carrier perspective, but also it brings on a lot of risk, right? So you can't obviously go out there and sell these devices outright for $1,500 a pop. You wouldn't get too many consumers that could consume those devices. So implementing these financing programs, which we're seeing you know, globally, LATAM being very much in the you know, immature stage of that and just getting these finance programs out there. But here in North America, we've seen them over the last you know, four or five years being able to break down the payments of these devices so that it can be easily digestible on a monthly bill. And as soon as you do that, you open yourself up to issues where people just stop paying their bill and they've got this you know, $1,000, $1,500 asset in their hand. And how do you communicate with that consumer? How do you protect yourself from that device getting sold elsewhere. So it is really a double-edged sword for the carriers. And then on the OEM side of things, to your point with regards to supply chain, when does that device become the responsibility of the carrier or the consumer? So I'm shipping that from my factory, wherever that might be, it lands ashore. There's all sorts of ways that that device can go missing before it actually sees the consumer's hands, right? So whether it be in shipping from the uh, docks to the store at the retail point of sale, break-ins to the stores. And so there's there's a huge issue that carriers are facing today. And obviously your solution and what Tristonic brings to the table both tackle that in different ways. So it's uh, it's a good synergy when it comes to the partnership we have. Absolutely. You know, to your point, being able to address the customer behaviors, whether it be in the store or out of the store, you know, like being able to finance those devices that the consumer wants, but also being able to curb that customer behavior to not only stop the losses, but increase the payments, right? Uh, When they stop paying, it's a great motivation uh, when that device isn't operable. What we've seen is in the first 72 hours, there's a high percentage that's going to call and make a payment and get right back to their phone. We know that's a lifeline for just about everyone these days. So, Yeah, it's always been one of those things where you leave the house and it used to be your keys in your wallet. And now I think <laughs> well, a lot of people leave their keys at home and they walk out with their wallet and their phone, right? So, Or even just their phone. So it's changed a lot over the last few years, that's for sure. I wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper into one of the things I just kind of said at the end of my last comment there, which is the partnership with Senco. I think, you know, partners in general needs to be able to bring certain qualities to the table. I think at Tristonic, we feel as though from a security perspective, we've got a good understanding of the mobile ecosystem from a hardware perspective and as well as from a software perspective. But when it comes to retail and when it comes to some of the expertise that Senco brings to the table, obviously that's not our 
our forte. And I think that's why these types of partnerships work so well. But I wanted to kind of get your take on, you know, why why the partnership with Trustonic and kind of what your overall perspective is on when you bring a technology partner or when you bring a partner to bear to solve the the different needs that customers might have. Yeah, I can tell you, I know probably first met, you and I met Gago maybe six months ago. And leaving that first conversation, I was extremely excited about what your company is bringing to the market. Cinco, you know, we felt like we had a void in our overall product line to be able to, and we are more, I would say, we're, you know, we are more of that front line, right? We're interacting directly with the retailers, the big, bo- the big box and carriers, and we're listening and we're feeling you know, their pain on some of these things that are occurring. But at the time, we didn't have the right solution. There were solutions out there, but it wasn't the right solution. And coming off that trust on a conversation, we got extremely excited to partner with your team. We see that there's a longevity here, some you know great synergy. We complement each other well, and we just look forward to the future and con- continuing to innovate together in this space because there's some great things we I believe that we'll be able to deliver to our customers through your product. Yeah, that's, that's great, Brian. And and really, I think there's a lot of layers to what we're trying to do as well. So beyond just, you know, the different facets of the retail side of things, I think the different facets of dealing with a M&O in general. So, you know, historically, in my past, I've dealt with Trustonic. I've dealt with the enterprise teams at carriers. There's also the, you know, the fraud and risk time teams at carriers, the retail teams. And really, not all of them communicate across the board. So being able to work with a partner that can bring what you bring to the table, bring the lingo that they're used to hearing on the retail side of things, allows us to communicate more broadly within the organization and then obviously try to solve more problems for the MNOs in general so that we can move further up the stack and become a, a more integrated partner with the MNOs. One thing I wanted to touch on, you know, because there's been so many changes as we've already chatted about from the price point and and how you implement the locking technology and where things are moving. I'm just curious where you think this is going, you know, over the next one year, five years, 10 years. Where do you think we'll be a few years from now when it comes to both the consumer side of things as well as the technology side of things of what we're doing and, and how we're addressing some of these issues? You know, from what I'm seeing is a greater adoption. You know, I know early on, you know, my Renaissance Center years, we were, from what I know, we were really one of the first ones to do it at a large scale. And I think now through, you know, more awareness, understanding the technology and how it works and the numbers, I mean, the numbers are very consistent. There's a 60 to 70% reduction in losses, which mean payments too. And when you're using this type of technology, especially the type of technology that Tristonics bring into the table. So I see a greater adoption across all categories. We're seeing it grow in the display, the live display. Uh, We're seeing it grow in supply chain and also finance. So I think more companies are understanding and embracing it. I also see it expanding. I'm excited. I know recently we had a conversation with your team about TVs. I see this portfolio of locking technologies growing, you know, TVs, game systems, you know, everything's connected, right? So it's all about benefit denial. And if you're able to provide it in a manner where it's persistent, you know, it's sticky, it's not gonna be able to just be able to delete it off. I see this growing revenues for retailers in many categories. Yeah, no, it's a great point on on the other devices. And I think, you know, as a as a technology company, we've been asked many times to integrate our, our technology into many different things. And I think historically, we've tried to stay focused on where we 
know how to play and and where we where our strengths are. But at the same time, as these issues become again larger and larger when it comes to devices going missing and people stopping payment, and when it comes to these big ticket items like TVs, gaming systems, etc., it is something that we're starting to investigate and and jump into a little more. Along the same lines, are you thinking that we will see more and more OEMs and and the actual technology providers jump into selling their own devices and financing their own devices if they see that there is a, one, a market for it, and then two, you know, a, a gap where there's some areas where the carriers aren't willing to take on that risk. Do you see them potentially jumping into this space and, and doing a little bit more from the sales and, and financing perspective? I do. And uh, I think we've already seen that trend. I think, you know, the OEMs are going to start to get into the space. And uh, I do see the emerging trend of these virtual rent-to-own, lease-to-own companies too. They're filling that gap so that if the mobile operator or even the retailer isn't wanting to take the risk of these type of transactions, there will be some companies, you know, whether it be OEMs or these virtual companies to fill that void. And that way they can stay focused on what they do best, which is selling in their store. And then the management and the locking programs, technologies can be effectively through someone else. So I do see that for sure. And already am. Yeah, it's becoming a a bigger play for a lot of these folks and it gives them another path to market um, where they don't necessarily have to attach it to a carrier network immediately. So I think it, it is a trend we'll continue to see. On the other side of this, and knowing what you've done from a retail perspective, I think more and more across the globe as we're getting involved into more and more carriers, we're seeing at the retail level the other side of this as well, which is the fear of putting employees in harm's way, right? So as these devices are are becoming more and more expensive and more and more demand, we're seeing that break-ins are becoming more prevalent and, you know, could be armed break-ins, could be, you know, break-ins after hours. But either way, there is a risk that employees are going to be in the stores at the same time. So obviously that's something that we're trying to mitigate and we're trying to work with the carriers to provide a tool that makes those devices less attractive to to steal if they can't be used, right? So from your side, because you've always had solutions that address these types of concerns, I'm just curious if if you've seen that increase and, and what you're doing from a Senco perspective to address some of these concerns as well. You know, it's a balancing act, right? The consumers need to have access to the products, you know, being able to provide the experience, but at the same time, you know, retailers can't afford to keep losing things from display. So when you're talking specifically about the mobile devices, you're right. I mean, you know, look at the hardware. If you go into a lot of these mobile stores today, especially, you know, in high risk areas, they're locked down. I mean, they're locked to the display and you can barely interact with them. But what, what it is doing is escalating, right? It used to be more about losses. We hear a lot more about safety, to your point, Sheldon, that, you know, they're beginning to see that their employees are in harm's way because they will come in and they will literally take a sledgehammer, a mallet, and hit these things off display during hours, not just burglary, but during hours, because they know there's, unfortunately, a little recourse uh, that they can do at the store level. Uh, we provide, you know, these locking technologies are providing that benefits and now, right? So you can loosen the hardware, which actually is, you know, seems ironic, right? Because you're loosening the hardware, but you want them, end of the day, you want them to learn about this technology and they are learning quickly. We see the stats. Uh, they recognize a brand with this technology, right? This brand is using this technology, so they're not coming back. They'd rather go somewhere else that's not using it because they, they can't sell it. They can't use it. 
essentially it is a brick. It's a deterrence, whether it be from inventory, whether it be from display, and of course the finance side. So I really have a high level of confidence in the product year over year. I mean, center program, it's seven years strong with very similar results year after year. So the product works and I do see a lot of adoption in the upcoming uh, years. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, a deterrent is a word that we use quite often, right? If you've got the technology embedded, sometimes it takes, you know, the criminals a little time to understand that if they do steal certain devices or if they steal from certain carriers, that they will not be able to use those devices. And, and what that does is deter that behavior from those areas. And in an ideal world, like in some of the countries we're trying to work today with the regulators uh, and with the carriers, we we kind of do a clean sweep where we implement the technology across the board upon all the carriers in a specific region or country. And what that does is it just moves the criminal activity right out of the country, which is, you know, it's a good feeling from our side because we're trying to help the citizens. We're trying to remove some of the, the risk associated from a financial perspective, but then also when you look at it from a people perspective as well, making sure that there's no employees put in harm's way. So I think, you know, it's as this expands and as the need for this technology expands, I think we're going to be able to make a bigger impact across the board. You know, when these events happen and, uh, you know, especially if it's a stock and we're able to get the locking technology on there, when it does lock, it could be two layers down the road, right? But Word gets out pretty quickly because they're pretty angry that they just bought a product that doesn't work. And they're more willing to provide information. And we've seen here recently some very successful investigations and partnering with these asset protection teams because they're calling in, you know, when the lock does its job and benefit denial, there's also a number they can call. And they're more than willing to share a lot of great information that's led to, you know, putting down some rings, some large scale rings, because they're landing in, you know, really the innocent person's hands that just purchased on an you know, a, a website or even, you know, a social media site. And, and now we're able to, to provide some, some great intelligence that was never there before. And then the word is out because wherever they purchase from, they're not going to purchase again. And the, it just goes backward, right? And it really puts a damper on their supply chain. And they very quickly will learn what brands not to go to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else from your side you want to cover or chat about on this session today? No, you know, I always enjoy the conversation about this technology at Senko. We're really excited. We're heavily invested and we see a future in it. You know, with Tristonic, we see it being even brighter and bringing some new things to the table that we did not have. You know, listen to the conversation, Sean, it just more reemphasizes that we're on the same page as companies and reinforces why we are partnering. We're really symbiotic in what we're doing. So, you know, I know Tristana does other things outside this lock-in technologies. I read about the, you know, your other security features and smart cars. So uh, you guys have a lot of great stuff going on and we're just very proud to be a partner with your company. Yeah. And the feeling is mutual. I think to your point, I think we both do some things very well and we understand where we might have some limitations. And that's why we get into partnerships such as the one we have with Senko. And, uh, you know, we look forward to continuing the partnership and really driving, you know, a, a higher adoption of, of this technology, because I think it goes beyond what the original intent was, which is cost savings for the carriers. And it gets into all sorts of socioeconomic things as well, which is always a great benefit to everybody. So appreciate Appreciate your time today and you know look forward to catching up at a lip day. Fantastic. Appreciate your time, Sheldon. Enjoyed it. 